Praise God. Uh, thank you, worship team. What an incredible job. And uh, we we worship God, and we have a reason to worship God today, man. Uh, God is so real, and uh, I, I just thank God. I thank God for his presence. Without his presence, this is just a ritual. This is just a religion. Uh, in man, but we know that that's not the case. Amen. <clears throat> God is here. He is real. And he's going to do mighty things. Uh, it is uh, so good to be, be back. And thank you, Pastor, so much for this opportunity. We were here earlier uh, in the year for a Sunday. And then he asked me to come back. And he said, let's, let's give God a chance to build some momentum. Uh, how many knows that it's so important that sometimes we set aside regular schedule to say, God, we're going to make you priority over these next few days so that he can do some extraordinary things in our lives and he can build momentum. Uh, how many knows the enemy is always working to build momentum against us, against the body of Christ, against what God's doing. But how many knows it's sometimes it's it's really beneficial for the body of Christ to come together and say, we're going to put aside regular schedule, and we're going to be in the house of God. And I know that if that's the case, God's going to honor that. Amen? Uh, God's going to honor you, and he's going to honor his presence, and he's going to be here. And the, the tragedy would be is that, that we would not take advantage of, uh, of God being here and uh, setting up this chance for momentum, but also that we wouldn't uh, reach out to people that need a move of God in their lives. Uh, may over these next few days, you pray about someone specific that you know that you love that needs a touch in their life. It could be spiritual. It could be physical. It could be mental. They could be going through a, a challenging time with their marriage maybe a challenging time with their finances, maybe they're needing a job, maybe they're running from God, maybe they've been uh, diagnosed with bad news from their doctor. I don't know. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, but I believe that God is going to give us a challenge this morning that's going to challenge us to do that over these next few days. And I know that if we will hear that challenge and respond, then God is going to honor that and pour out his spirit. Amen. How many knows that God is blessed this church with these amount of pews because there's someone in your community that is supposed to be sitting in that spot. God didn't just randomly give you the size of a sanctuary for there just to always be empty pews. No, there is someone in your community that doesn't know Jesus and it's their spot, and we should never rest until that place is completely filled with every lost person that God has given us the responsibility to reach. Do you believe that? And if that's the case, we're not talking about strangers. We're talking about our neighbors, our coworkers, our family, our friends, our fellow students, whoever that person may be that God lays upon your heart. It is so good to be here, and I want you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Uh, since I was here earlier this year, uh, uh, you'll those that were here, uh, this is a special year uh, for our evangelist ministry. We've been uh, 25 years this year, by the grace of God, we've done this, uh, been around the world 
doing this for 25 years, and we, we praise God for that. Uh, I think it's 56 countries that we've been to. and uh, uh, But this was so rare. This is so rare for me uh, that I actually was able to get in my car yesterday and drive down here to this meeting because every week is usually going to the airport and flying someplace different other than, but we only live in that far off distant land of Lancaster County uh, and Mount Joy. So uh, I am actually close to home today right now. So uh, this is this is super special. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. And uh, now I, uh, my wife lives, uh, her family grew up there in Lancaster County, both sides of her family. So she is from this area. I, however, am a transplant from the southern states, so I am a southern guy. I was born and raised in Oklahoma, most of my life in Texas, and because of that, uh, I love crowd participation. Do you know what that means? Somebody just said it. They said, amen. Praise God. Um I noticed yesterday, even though Penn State didn't come out on the right end of things, uh, that uh, whenever, whatever team you're for, uh, that there is usually never an audience at a football game that is quiet, whether it's the good or the bad or the ugly or you don't agree with the ref or whatever, uh, it's, it's usually very vocal. Uh, may we not be uh, quiet in the house of God. And uh, don't say amen if I say something that's not in this word. You shouldn't. Unless it's found here, you shouldn't be in agreement with it. Amen? But because I am from the South, I love of crowd participation, and that means get in there and say amen with me. Let's preach. Let's have fun, and let's just see what God's going to do. Amen? And how many knows that we should always point toward an altar? Always point to an altar. What that means is why would we be challenged by God and his word, challenged by the gift that God is using each week, whether it's your pastor and the gift of the pastor to the body of Christ, whether it's the uh, apostolic, the prophetic, the teacher, the evangelist, uh, but that we, we get behind that and we support that because that is so very important that we understand that God wants to speak to us today, but it would be a tragedy that we hear from God and we're challenged from God, but that we leave a service without giving God a chance to do what he has spoke to us about. Uh, an altar should never be a place that is, oh, I'm scared of that, or I'm so spiritual, I never, you know what? This is one of the saddest things that I've seen over the last year and a half during COVID. I've seen more spiritual pride in churches keeping altars empty than when they should be filled. If you ever pause to respond to an altar because something inside of you says, well, I... I don't have anything going on. You should be the one running because you got something going on because you're not listening (laughs) because none of us are perfect. But an altar has so much to do with 
getting healed, getting deliverance, getting hope, getting breakthroughs. There's a million things that God can do. And don't be limited just by what the person that is giving the altar call is giving specific. It may be an altar call for people to get saved, but God is not restricted by that to heal your body. If you need a healing, get down to this altar. If you need a breakthrough, get down to the altar. If you need a job, get to the altar. Because that is when God gets involved and does what he has promised through his word. If you're in agreement, say amen. So no spiritual pride this week, right? God is going to do something great. I don't perform in the altar. If you've from this evangelist, please, 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 uh, I will disappoint you. I, I do not perform. I, I can't perform. It's not something that I was called to do. The altar is God's, and we will pray for people, and we will agree with people, and we will listen to the voice of God, and God will do great things. Amen? Luke chapter 5, and we want to read in verse 17. One day, as he was teaching, this is Jesus, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there, the spiritual people. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. That is still evident today. That is still the word for today. Amen. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up to on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. Immediately. Can you just say that word with me? Immediately. Oh, come on, one more time. Immediately. Some of you need to get that in your spirit because you've been praying for something for way too long. But God's telling you today, your rhema word is immediately. That means now. You're not going to have to wait another day, another hour. You don't even have to wait till the end of this service for the altar. Immediately, he stood up in front of them and took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Now, verse 26 is what I want you to really pay attention to. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were all filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things 
today. How many would agree with me that it would be a successful day at church if that's what we were able to say when we left today? We have seen remarkable things done today. Because who? Because Christ, because Almighty God is here. Amen? Father, we open our hearts to you right now. And Lord, the pressure is not on me. It's not on the gift of the evangelist. It's not on pastor. It's not on anybody else. Lord, you right there tell us that it is possible through your power for us to see remarkable things in the presence of God. And so we open our hearts to you today and we, we, we allow ourselves to be challenged as the body of Christ. God, I pray for those that may not know you. I pray for those that may be listening online that may not know you. I pray that if anyone does not know of your forgiveness and your love, that they would be saved today. Lord, I pray if someone is struggling in their mind, their emotional problems, mental problems, suicidal thoughts, depression, we come against those things right now that are the, uh, the, the author of death would bring those things to them. But Lord, it is the author of life, Jesus Christ, that we speak over those things that would try to deceive us and lie to us and Lord, we pray for life in Jesus' name and deliverance in Jesus' name. God, I thank you in advance, Lord, that we're going to walk out of here knowing that we have seen remarkable things, remarkable things, remarkable things, things that we can't help be shut up. When we leave this, I mean, we're going to tell people at the restaurant. We're going to tell people when we get home. We're going to email someone. We're going to post it. We're going to tweet about it. We have seen remarkable things today because of Jesus Christ was in our service today. In Jesus' name, we declare it, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you so much. I, I think Pastor... You have your church ready. I mean, this there there's anticipation here, and I've always said that that uh, we can plan revivals, but if the people are not praying and preparing their hearts, then I can't bring revival. I definitely don't start revivals. I don't end revivals. It is the condition of the heart of God's people. And, and this is so important because this this moment in history in the Bible that we're all very familiar with, right? The, the time that the guy is paralyzed and his friends have to dig a hole in the roof. We're, we're very familiar with that, that famous passage of Scripture. But I think you have to understand that the foundation of this was built on what was the condition of the church at that point. Because the condition of the church that day, it was filled, but it was filled with people that were political they were religious, they were caught up in the wrong things, and they, in fact, had come with an expectation that everything should go like this, and Jesus was the one speaking. Can, can we just do a little self-eval this morning? Can, can we just look inside of our hearts and say, God, don't let me be the religious spirit that holds you back from moving today. God, don't let me be the one that sits here in judgment. Well, it wasn't done like it should have been. It's not done like it used to be done. Well, let me tell you, if Jesus is in the house and Jesus is doing it, then let him do it. 
Let him do it. Let him do it any way he wants to. Now, now, uh, how many would agree with me that we are in a time in which the Bible talks about that uh, there's going to be an end time. There's going to be a time that we get very close to Jesus coming back. And, and how many knows that there's going to be a lot of things happening in that time, but we are also promised... Uh, a last day's outpouring, amen? There, there is coming a revival uh, that is going to be amazing, okay? So, so get ready. Churches that don't have revivals are going to have revivals. People that don't believe in revivals are going to have revival because it's in the Word of God. Things are going to happen. Why? Because God said they're going to happen. Because he is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He doesn't want anybody to die and go to hell. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. Because it's his kids. It's the ones that he created. And that's why I think we know this story is because he says, wait a minute, there is a forgotten group in our lives that we say we care about, but they're not in a relationship with Christ yet. What are you doing about it? And you know what, uh, Pastor, I, 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 did a, I did horrible in Bible college, you know. I, I just didn't do very well. I mean, my introduction to biblical preaching class that's basically preaching for dummies it's like the, you know preaching 101 it's like just the, the very basic 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 teaching class on how to prepare a message and everything I did not do very well in that uh, it was either a C or a D I'm not joking and and part of the reason was that is is that a third of our grade for the whole semester was we had to write a manuscript sermon now, if you're like me, I had never heard of manuscript sermon either, so I didn't know what that was. But for those that didn't know what that is either, uh, that meant I had to write a sermon word for word. Every word that was going to be spoken in that sermon, I had to write down on a piece of paper. I'm sorry, I'm Pentecostal. And you say, I'm supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. Where in the world am I allowing the Holy Spirit to be in that message? Because can I tell you, I can have notes. But the time that I step up here, your pastor can have notes. He can prepare. He can hear from the heart of God. But there is going to be times that we get up here and God inspires us and anoints us. And God gives us words that were not in our notes because that's the power of God and that's the Holy Spirit. And so I, I bombed that. I, I did horrible with my manuscript sermon. I was not meant to write manuscript sermons. I did not do well in that class. The thing that I want you to know about it is, is that God is able to use us even when it doesn't appear like we have that ability or talent. And when I saw this scripture, this incredible, amazing story, it was something that really leapt out at me because it was very visual. And God wants to paint a visual picture today because he wants his church to understand that we in these last days must understand what four friends understood. You know what four friends decided that day? They decided 
This is the last day that our friend is going to wake up paralyzed. This is the last day. And because this was such a visual message, something that I was told that I needed to have in my preaching class is I must always have titles for my messages. Well, I can tell you for the last 25 years, uh, the technical guys, the guys that record the messages and, and, and put it out there on the internet, I have been the worst of the worst for them, okay? When I come, it drives them crazy because they're always asking me, what's the title for this message? And I'm like, whatever you want to put on it. Do you know that I, I've heard friends that are ministers, they said, man, I got the best sermon title. I mean, it took me two hours to come up with that five-word sermon title, but it's the best of the best, and it'll grab anybody's attention. Oh, dear God, help me if I spend an hour trying to come up with a title when I could have spent that hour in prayer seeking the Holy Spirit and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And if you need a title, then bless God, come up with a title. But I don't want you walking out of here thinking about a title. I want you to walk out of here knowing that I have seen remarkable things. I have seen miracles of God. But of all times that I have the perfect title, I don't ever have a title. But today, if you need a title, today the title is not just for this message. It's for this revival. It's for this time. It's for you right now and it's simply grab a corner do you know how bad this experience could have been for the paralyzed man if only one person grabbed a corner do you realize one of the main reasons why so many people are not saved that we have reached out to is because you are alone in trying to reach them can you imagine one guy showing up the guy's house that morning and saying, man, I, I'm, you just been on my heart today, and, and, and I know that you wake up every day in this house because you don't live in a day in which there are people that come by and they have special vehicles and they have wheelchairs and they have wheelchair accessibilities and they have laws and they have uh, special programs and, and they get you out uh, and they take you shopping and they get you rehab and they do all these wonderful things. No, th- None of that existed. And this this one friend shows up and says, Ma'am, brother, I want to see your life change today. I want to get you to the house of God today. Do you know what would have happened? It would have ended in utter failure and more discouragement. Because I don't know, <laughs> I don't care how big you are, I don't care how many weights you lift, one person, you're going to get your friend that is completely paralyzed and the only thing you have to move him on is a blanket and you're going to literally drag him across town to get him to where Jesus is, that is going to be one rough ride. And do you know what? That's exactly the way a lot of people that are lost and never been reached for Jesus Christ would describe their experience with the church or with God is because it has not been the way that God planned it to be. 
one person grabbing him, let's go, buddy, it would have been a short trip, and it would have been a disappointing trip, and it would have been a painful trip. <laughs> sorry, sorry, oh, oh, sorry about that big bump there, sorry about that big hole there, oh, oh, hold on. <laughs> What if two people, oh, they would have made it probably twice as far, still disappointing, discouraging, painful. If we are going to do in these last days what we need to do in reaching the lost, and we're talking about people we love and we care about, we're not talking about strangers, then we're going to have to understand that we're going to have to come together as the body of Christ. There is no place for division. There is no place for keeping score. There is only a place that the people of God come together and say, Dad, you have been lost and running from God long enough, and you have got four children that love you to death, and we're going to each grab a corner, and we're going to get you in front of Jesus no matter what it takes. That we wake up one morning and we say, fellow students that we know is running from God, fellow neighbor that we know is so far away from God, fellow spouse that is never given their life to Jesus Christ, just like these four friends that said, you know what, you have woken up paralyzed for the last time. The last time there's going to be an excuse for you not to be in the presence of God. Today is a day in which your life is going to change. You see, something has got to begin to awaken inside the body of Christ that says there will be no excuse that will be good enough, big enough to stop us. Because that's all they had that day was great excuses. I mean, the moment that they went to get their friend that was paralyzed, laying on a mat his entire life, watching everybody, everybody's life go passing by, the only thing they had that day when they showed up to get him in front of Jesus was great excuses why to stop. We got to hear from God. We got to pray. And we got to show up. And then we got to do everything it takes to get people in front of the house of God, in front of the presence of God, in front of the Holy Spirit, in front of the Word of God. And when we do, God can do what He does. And there will not be any more disappointments. There will not be any more paralyzed days. There will not be any more days that you're consumed with suicidal thoughts and the depression overtakes you. You see, there needs to be people that grab a corner in your life and say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe for you. I'm going to sacrifice for you. I'm going to fast for you. I'm going to do what it takes for you. I'm going to get up early and I'm going to stay late and I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to get you in front of Jesus because everything is based upon that happening and can you imagine they get him all the way across town only to show up at a packed out house now if you ever had a great excuse why to quit well here you go they showed up with this guy he is carrying on a blanket 
and he is completely paralyzed his entire life, and he shows up at the house of God, and it is so jam-packed that the inside is full and the outside is full. Can I tell you, the moment you decide to get closer to God, the moment you decide to become the spiritual leader of your home, sir, will be the very first day that the enemy begins to release excuses into your life. Why? You can't do it. Why? It won't happen. Why? It won't work. The moment you decide to start giving your tithes to your local church that pours into you and teaches you and loves you and is there for you, the moment you decide to start giving your tithes back to God through your local church will be the day that you have multiple excuses unleashed upon your finances. The moment you decide to quit living in sin and outside of the realm of what God has planned and you decide we're not going to live together anymore, we're going to get married and make it right in the eyes of God will be the day that the excuses began. You see, the moment you decide to get closer to God will be the moment that the enemy makes sure that he gives you excuses. Now listen to this. These aren't demonic excuses. These aren't dark excuses. He will even use the church and those in The church. You question? Read it. Wasn't people outside the church having signs protesting? Protesting God, protesting the house of God? No, it was the religious, it was the church. It was the size of the crowd. They so easily could have given up. And you know what? <laughs> Which one? <laughs> this, is, this is the funny thing. Which one came up with the idea that uh, we're going to take a paralyzed man that is only being carried in a blanket? Uh, which one came up with the idea, let's, let's, let's climb on the roof? Can't you imagine the response of the uh, paralyzed guy? He's like, guys, at least I was just paralyzed. I wasn't dead. Right? I mean, hey, take me back home. At least I was breathing. At least I could still watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy every night. I can still watch my favorite team. They said, no way. Oh, what would happen? What would happen to Littlestown, Pennsylvania and the surrounding areas if we had people that grabbed a corner of someone's life and said, you know what? There is no strategy of the enemy. There is no situation that is going to stand in the way. We are going to get you in front of Jesus and we're going to see a miracle happen in your life. Miracles will never come easy. Do you know what? If we saw remarkable things every day, what would cease to happen? They would cease to be remarkable. Now, don't don't misunderstand. When God does a miracle, it will always be remarkable. What would happen? 
I mean, especially with it's Jesus. <laughs> I am no Jesus, okay? But what would happen right now if in the middle of the service you started having dust and stuff come down on your head? There would be a holy, dignified, spiritual response in some of you. I thought we had a group of people that were supposed to take care of the building. Where's that group? What have they fell, fallen down in their job for? What's going on? And of all days, it's raining. Pastor, when you got up here and you began to talk about the rain, God specifically said that's exactly, that's, that's, a, that's a prophetic word on this message because as they dug the hole in the roof, let me tell you, when they dug the hole in the roof to let their friend down in front of Jesus because they couldn't get him any other way, uh, it would have been a, a, a usually seen as a negative time, a, a, a wrong timing to dig a hole in the roof on the day that it's raining but God says if my people will quit worrying about the material and the physical and and the, the, the things of this world that they control and start allowing things to be ripped open, then I will have access not only to do remarkable things but to rain down something on them they've never felt before. About five of you got that that was a prophetic moment. Do you realize what God's saying? We need some holes ripped open in our roofs because there are some, there's become some things that are so sacred that they are more sacred than Jesus. And God's saying, I want to do something, but you've got to give me access to do it. Isn't it great, what the, the response? Do you know that, that there are people out there that they are waiting for someone to grab a corner in their life and get them in front of Jesus? For those that were here earlier this year, you heard me talking about that we are, my wife and I are in the process of fostering to adopt. And, and just to let you know, and, and for those that have been praying, we just finally got the date, November the 16th at 1045 in the morning, we will be in Dauphin County Court in front of Judge Cherry, and it will be an official day that the gavel comes down, and our little girl will become officially ours. Our little girl that we have been fostering for over 14 months will become our little girl. Her whole name will be changed. But more than that, everything about her future will be changed as well. You see, if we make a choice not to get involved, then her future is all up in the air. There's, there's nothing that was going for her. The moment she was physically born on earth, she was born in prison because her mom, her bio mom was in prison for causing the death of one of her other children. And so she is now giving birth in prison. She spent one hour with her bio mom and then they took her away. 
she was sent home with the bio mom's sister and her boyfriend. And at three months old, she was brought to the ER with 10 broken ribs as a three-month-old baby. She had more pain in the first three months of her life, more rejection than some of us will have in an entire lifetime, and she had more of that in the first three months of her life. So you see that there's not much hope for her future unless somebody steps in and grabs a corner. You see, it can't be just my wife and I. It wasn't. You see, there was another couple that were friends of the family, and they said once she was entered into the foster situation and they were looking for someone to take her... And because of the connection of this family, they said, we'll take her. They were in their 40s. They had their own kids that were now raised and out of the house. But they felt like a compelling. Little did they know that the wife, the mother in this situation took this little girl in would become very sick. She would get a disease. Isn't it amazing how God works? You see, when we become so single-focused in the church, you see, the single focus that God showed me that is happening and the reason why we haven't grabbed more corners and we haven't seen more remarkable things is we've become single-focused. And single-focus is what I mean by that, is what God was saying is single-focus means church has become something so far away from what God intended for it because church has become about me. Well, do I go today well, it's based on how I feel, or it's based upon my situation, or it's based on the weather, or it's based upon somebody else, or it's based upon whether this or that. And then when I show up, someone better not be sitting in my spot, and the, the temperature better be right, and, the, and, and, and they better sing the right songs, and, and, and the pastor better wave at me or shake my hand. Well, maybe I don't want him to shake my hand because it's the year of COVID, so he better just air high five me or or they better do this or that and see the reality is is I go to church too yeah I go to Wrightsville Assemblies of God in fact I've been there more lately over the last year and a half than I've been out because of COVID affecting the evangelists so much We need church to become not singular focused, but realizing that when we are coming together, it should be a coming together. It should be a coming together. If you don't know the people that you go to church with, get to know them. If you don't do anything with them outside of church, change that. Let's come together so we can grab a corner together so that we know we're on the same page. Because when we do, the result is a paralyzed man getting layered right in front of Jesus. And we get to see remarkable things. Do you know that couple that took our little girl in at three months old? They talked about when they first got her home, they were... They literally were so afraid of how to hold her because a broken rib is one of the most painful injuries you can have. And she was a baby at three months old and she had 10 broken ribs. And so they were so delicate in how they could hold her. They changed the way that they would normally treat a little baby. 
At the time that she needed to be held the closest, the, the, the most secured, the time that she needed to be the most encouraged, it was the time that she was held the furthest away. Do you realize there are people right now spiritually that are in the exact same condition? They have been broken by life, by the past of life, by the things of life. Can I tell you that what the world needs is people to step up? You see, if we don't step up and we don't get involved in this little girl's life and we don't say yes, her her future doesn't look good. Sometimes God is doing more than one thing. You know what he's doing? A couple didn't know us, had our little girl, but God knew both of us. There was a common denominator. That couple knew before we knew that we were going to be their little girl's bio mom and bio dad. Not bio mom, bio dad, but adopted. Way before we knew, they knew. You know why that was important? Not just for our little girl, but because that mother was dying. And while she lay up in a hospital in her last days of life, she would call my my wife one night and say, I'm scared and I know I'm dying. Would you please lead me to Jesus Christ? And then for the next two hours, she would say, Heather, would you, would you please sing this song for me? Because my wife is an incredible singer and is anointed to sing. And, and for the next two hours, she would sing at around midnight. As this woman lay up in the hospital dying because of COVID. Nobody could come up there and be there for her. But God knew at a precise moment that it wasn't just about a little girl being adopted, but it was also about a woman that was 46 years old, and she was on her way out. She was dying. She was moments away from dying. And yet God, in his infinite wisdom and, and counsel, says, if you'll grab a corner, I know you're 52, Ron, and it seems crazy to start. Start over at two and a half years old with the little girl. Tell me that ain't crazy. I don't want to grab a corner as a 52-year-old and start all over when I have a 24-year-old daughter as well. But God gives us the ability to grab a corner sometimes even when we don't realize it. And for those that are shocked, yes, I am 52. Please tell me somebody was shocked. Ah. <sighs> People tell me I look younger than I am. Maybe they're just doing that to make me feel good. Guess what? Guess who preached that funeral? Didn't know this family from anybody. They lived a long way. There was no connection except for now who our little girl is going to be ours. And you know what happened? The social workers that have worked with us, with our little girl, they came to the funeral. And there was somebody standing 
sitting behind them in that funeral. And at the end of it, I gave an altar call because I was told by the husband that that's what she would want. And I got an email a few weeks later that said, by those social workers, they said, we just want to let you know by what you said. There was a friend of ours that has been away from God and running from God, but he was in the funeral and he heard what you said. And we just wanted to let you know that that spurred on a conversation between us. And now we want to let you know he started going back to church and he is pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ. So come on, church. It's time that we grab a corner. Come on, if we're going to praise God, praise God. God wants to do remarkable things. As I close, let me tell you this. Since I was here last, I buried my dad. July 3rd of this summer, I got the call. They live in Oklahoma. As I had flown back several times that year, this year, because he has been under hospice care since last December and was dying of cancer, cancer that it moved into his bones and then to his brains. He's had severe dementia for two years. And I went something, I went through something that I had never thought I would ever go through. I went through something that has, has, has shook me to the core. Finally, the time came that it really was the time that dad was going to pass. And I'd, I had been praying, God, let me be there for my dad when he takes his last breath. If, if that's your will, I want to be there. Now, I, now, after praying that and God allowing that to happen, I'm, I'm still not sure that I would pray that again. But I, I prayed it out of ignorance. I got there 12 hours. No, nine hours. I got there around midnight. And he would pass at 9 a.m. And the last hour, he, he was not aware. He's, his eyes were closed. He was unconscious. His last hour of life was... One of the most difficult things, one of the most difficult hours of my life was to sit there and watch my dad (gasps) struggling for the breath. He's in our house. He's not in a hospital. He wasn't hooked up to oxygen. And then Nine o'clock, hospice nurse is standing on that side of the bed. I'm standing on this side of the bed closest to my dad's head. My mom is standing next to me. My sister is standing next to my mom. And my only other sibling, my brother, was standing right out the door in the hallway. And I looked down, and dad was gone. Just like that. One second, he is struggling for breath, and the very next second, Complete calm. And I struggled and I struggled for a long time. 
God, that last hour was horrible. Watching him struggle and struggle, struggle for that breath. Every, every breath was so difficult and, and, and it was it just got in the way of me being able to even grieve. I, I became so consumed with this. And God showed me finally one day, he says, Ron, the, the struggling last breath that you took your that you saw your father take. What that meant was, as you saw him take his last breath, what that meant was, that last struggling breath meant that his next breath was in heaven and he was no longer gasping. He was no longer hurting. He was no longer unaware. He was completely made whole. Now, there are people in your world that you love and you care about, and they are struggling for air because they're not saved yet. They're struggling to breathe because of a disease, because of a condition, because of an addiction, because of bondage, because of their past. Let me tell you what happened over the next hour. For the next hour, I sat next to my dad's bed, laying there. He was laying there. He was completely motionless. He was dead. He was gone. It was just his shell. His soul was already in heaven. Everybody else left, and I just sat there in that room, and I just looked at my dad. Took an entire hour for the, fun- the funeral home to get there, and it was a Saturday, July 3rd, and it took an hour for the guy to get there, but I don't know if it was because of holiday weekend or what, but when he showed up with the gurney and the black body bag to get my father's body he showed up alone. I went to Bible school to prepare to be a minister. I went through the process of becoming licensed and ordained. When God called me, when he saved me, as he's had me travel around the world and speak to thousands of people. Nowhere at any point in time did I ever prepare for the day that I was asked, could you help me with your dad's dead body? Because we had a gurney with wheels on, it only took two people. I'll never forget that moment that I, I literally picked up my dad's lifeless dead body. I, I was on the end of the legs, and I, I, I picked up. It was just basically skin and bones at that point because he had been whittled down by the disease of cancer for so long that he had whittled down to nothing. I picked up my dad's body, and I put it up on the gurney, and then I watched him zip up the black body bag and then wheel him down the hallway and past my mother that was 
on the verge of having a heart attack or a stroke because her blood pressure shot up to over 200, over 203, over 101. Why do I tell you that? That horrible, horrible moment in my life that just took place this summer is because God. Spirit, that it is through your presence that you're able to speak to our hearts and inspire us to grab a corner. Maybe there's somebody that we love and we care and they're on the verge of suicide. Maybe they're on the Death's door. They've been fighting a disease. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they're on the verge of losing their job. Maybe they're getting ready to have to sign the divorce decree. Maybe there's a situation that I haven't mentioned, but the reality is, is that there's somebody in our world that's paralyzed. They're paralyzed by sin. They're paralyzed by their past. They're paralyzed by pain. They're paralyzed by their sin. They're paralyzed by their guilt and their condemnation. And all they need is someone that knows Jesus Christ to, to grab a corner with someone else. Lord, that we would come together as the body of Christ. Lord, I'll never forget that moment that I... I literally lifted my dad's dead body. Never expecting ever to have to do that in my life. Never being prepared for that. But it was a powerful moment of reminder that there will be a time that it's too late. And God, what you're saying today to the church... Don't wait until it's too late that you lift the body. Don't wait until you grab a corner before it's too late. There will be a moment that it's too late. There will be a moment that unless you get serious and you begin to pursue God and your will, 
that you say, I'm going to get my friend in front of Jesus. I'm going to get my marriage in front of Jesus. I'm going to get my child in front of Jesus. I'm going to get my grandchild in front of Jesus. I'm going to get my fellow co-worker, my neighbor, my fellow student. I'm going to get him in front of Jesus. I'm going to grab a corner. What am I doing to grab a corner in someone's life? God challenged the body of Christ today to grab a corner. Grab a corner. May we come together as the body of Christ, Lord. Lord, make division. May spiritual pride be be removed from the body of Christ. And may we come to that place before it's too late. We say, God, I'm, I'm so desperate to get my family, my friends in front of you and your presence that we began to see the supernatural take place, the remarkable things take place. As you honor and you respect this, this moment that only God could provide, would you just, just keep your heads bowed and just focus on God right now. I want to ask you a very important question. Are you here today? And you say, Ron, uh, the reality is, is I know I'm not serving God. I, it's just the reality is I, I know I'm not serving God. God knows that I'm not serving God. God knows that he's not my priority in my life. And, and I need to give my life to God right now. I'm not asking if you've never given your life to God. I'm not asking if you have recently gotten away from God. I'm just simply asking right now the one question that matters. Are you right with God? Are you living for God? Is He the Lord of your life? And you would say, Ron, I know the truth. He knows the truth. People in my life know the truth. And I need to make that happen right now. I need to give my life completely and totally to God right now. I need to make that decision would you just pray with me would you help grab a corner of my life and get me in front of Jesus right now and you would say Ron that's me you're talking to me I need to give my life to God right now right now I know I'm not serving God and I need to give my life to God right now in this most reverent moment you would recognize and realize you would make that decision you would say Ron pray for me if that's you raise your hand right now raise it raise it raise it raise it raise it You know you need to get your life right with God right now. If you just raised your hand, I want you to come stand with me at this altar right now. Come on. There were hands all over this room right now, and I want to pray for you personally. Come on right now. Come on. Come on right now. This is the time. This is the moment that God is going to do something supernatural. This is that moment that God saves. Come on. This is that moment that God wants to move in your life. This is that moment that God wants to save you. He wants to set you free. He wants to reach you right now. This is that moment that God is going to do something supernatural in your life. This is that moment. Right now, this is that moment. I want to ask. I want to ask one other question. Say, Ron, I love God. I'm serving God. But there there is a miracle need in my life, just like the man that was paralyzed. He was paralyzed physically, but People can be paralyzed by fear. They can be paralyzed by debt. They can be paralyzed by disease and sickness and pain. And 
whatever it is, and you say, Ron, I need a remarkable thing done in my life. I need the miracle that God did in this man's life in the Bible. I need it done in my life. And you would say, Ron, I need a miracle in my life right now. Would you just raise your hand right now? You need a miracle. You need a miracle. If you just raise your hand for a miracle, I want you to join us right here at this altar right now. Come on. Come on. We're going to pray for your miracle right now. God's going to do remarkable things right now. God's going to do remarkable things right now. God's going to do remarkable things. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. sensitive to God in the altar and be led by him. I, I just want it to be God and he do what he wants to do and have the freedom to do that. I didn't know that this was what God would speak to me to do. I had no plans to do this. This is just what I feel like God is saying. But there are specific. This is very specific. You got to pray about it. You got to hear it. You got to feel it. You got to sense it in your heart by the Holy Spirit. But for these that are down here that need a miracle in their lives right now, there are specific four people that are supposed to grab a corner and get around them and pray for them right now for their miracle. So right now, I want want everybody across this room, I want you to just bow your heads. I want you to pray, God, if there's somebody up there in this altar right now and I'm supposed to grab a corner of their life, I want to know it and I want to respond to that because it's somebody I love, it's somebody I care about, it's someone that I have a burden for, it's someone that I've already been praying for. God's specifically speaking to some people and as God speaks to people in this room right now that you're supposed to grab a corner in someone's life down here and pray for them that are responded, I want you to come down here and, and get around them right now. Would you do that right now? Father, we just pray that you begin to lead and direct. Come on church, this is the time that we hear from God. This is a time that we respond to God. This is a time that we are obedient to God. This is a time that God directs us right now. Come on, pray, seek God, respond, respond. Father, in the name of Jesus, get around him, get in front of him, get beside him, get behind him. Hallelujah. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus. We pray right now. Come on, church. This is the time that we respond to the challenge of the Word of God. This is that moment that God begins to speak to us. Let's respond. Let's hear from God. Let's get in. Let's get involved. Let's do what God has called us to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. 
Hallelujah. I'm going to ask any of the staff to come help us, any of the elders of the church to come help us. To, anybody in the worship team or band that you feel led of the Lord, feel free that you can leave your post if you need to to come pray with someone down here. And let's pray right now. Let's pray. Everybody else, reach out your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Supernatural. Supernatural. Supernatural, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, church. Let's let the roof be ripped open right now and the rain of the Holy Spirit come down in this place. Hallelujah. God's going to do remarkable things. Man cannot do them, but God can. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.